Hi, this is Jason. After the music, at the end of the show, stick around. For the first time ever, we're going to broadcast what happens after the ChristCast 2020 podcast. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So that you may know that you have eternal life. Ain't no practice runs in life. This is not a test. It's the real thing. It's the ChristCast 2020 podcast. Two generations with one mission. My name is Jason Dyes and her name is Kiki Culpepper. And thank you guys so much for joining us. Hey, Kiki, after this, we will have three shows left. Can you believe it? You can count it all on one hand. Yes, you can. Even if you've suffered an accident with a saw or something. (laughs) Yes, it's very easy to do. And today we're talking about the name of the episode today is the epistles of John with Dr. Travis Craver. We're going to be getting to our new friend, Dr. Craver up in Abilene, Texas in just a moment. But the reason, the official reason on the ChristCast 2020 podcast that we are doing all three of the epistles of John is that The second and third books are extremely short. In fact, the notes on them in my archaeological Bible have more words than than the epistles. But the real reason that we're doing all three books is why, Kiki? Mr. Dias can't count that well because (laughs) we just face out our shows. (laughs) I miscounted the books of the Bible as we were getting here towards the end and candidly forgot that John wrote three. The first book was so good, the next two were absolutely Free. And so that's actually, that's actually the real reason. Let's talk about uh, where we are and when the book was written. It's pretty. Uh, right into it. Yeah, we, we've got a great guest right coming up, so it. we're going to get right into it. The, the books of uh, where we are in the Bible, these are actually the last books of the Bible that are written. This is before John is relegated to the island of Patmos off the coast of Greece. He is in Ephesus. Most Bible scholars agree. He is in what is today modern-day Turkey, and we put the date around 90 to 95 A.D.-ish. Nobody's really, really certain, but what we is— ish yeah, We love ish. That covers us in all circumstances. Ish. And although his, his name is on the book, it's important to know some things about who wrote the book, right, Kiki? Oh, definitely. As you know, we just said his name. John wrote the book, and it was pretty well explained that he did write the book. He's referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is kind of a dead giveaway. John was also an eyewitness to the ministry and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was there for the whole shebang. He was there for all of it. And it was also John who Jesus instructed to take care of Mary, his mom, Jesus' mother, while Jesus was dying on the cross. He was the one, John was the one who was supposed to take care of her. But also, it's the same John who got sent to the island Patmos, which we just talked about, where his revelations became the book by the same name. John did write Revelation to little spoilers there. Yes, a little, little, what do you call it? Foreshadowing. That will be our final show. Foreshadow. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, uh, I have a little history with the name John. My dad's name is John. My older brother's name is John. And when I was uh, born, 
I, my name was John, John Mendez. I was a ward of the state. I was born, as you know, to a 17-year-old unwed mother who was a senior in high school up in Austin, Texas, in Travis County, by the way, speaking of Travis. And my parents adopted me, and they said, wait, we already have two Johns in the house, and so they named me Jason. And that it would have, you know, if we had told people we had three Johns in the house back in those days, they'd have thought we had this really big house. So my three Johns, <laughs> three Johns in this house, but no, um, they changed my name to Jason Matthew. And so, uh, and of course, my son's name is Evan, which is the biblical version of the name John. Well, listen, Kiki, we're gonna go up to. Abilene, Texas, and if you're up to date with your New Testament trivia, you'll remember from the book of Luke that in the 15th year of the rule of Augustus Caesar, there was this guy named Lysanias who was in charge of this place in Judea called Abilene. We're not going to go quite that far today, Keith. We're just going to go right up the road. We're not going into that today. um, That's a a different different way. We're going to go through San Angelo, up through Brownwood, and we're going to get to Abilene, and we're going to talk to our good new friend, Dr. Travis Craver. He is the director of chapel and spiritual formation at Hardin-Simmons University in Abilene, Texas, and we're going to do it all right after this. In that from childhood, you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 315. Hey, that is right. Hey, Dr. Craver, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Welcome to the show. Yeah, Okay. We love we love artificial sound bars, Happy. Yes, we do, we do. Hey, Dr. Craver, before we get to the questions, and you're gonna you're gonna talk to us about first, second, and third, John. I, I know you are a uh, Hardin Simmons cowboy, and and yesterday I gave myself one of those do-it-yourself haircuts, and so if you know the Hardin oh, Simmons no. cowboy mascot, would you ask him mm. if I can borrow his hat for the next two weeks, please? Because <laughs> My my hair presently looks like it was done by an epileptic chimpanzee oh, with a no. bug saw. But uh, oh, I'm so God. very glad. I'm so very glad we don't do a video blog. I'm so glad we do a podcast. Listen, Dr. Craver, the first book of John, again, like a lot of the epistles late in the New Testament, is a letter warning against false teachings ranging from Jesus was a ghost, he was a transformer who goes between human and non-human form, and John sure. encourages us to use knowledge, knowledge to overcome right. this. Today, the false right. teachings might be more subtle. What do we as a church need to be teaching better? A great question. Um, I think, you know, when I think about what we as a church, um, the big C, capital C, need to be doing, one of the things that comes to, to mind first and foremost is just sound doctrine. You know, oftentimes I've, I've had many students that have come here at Hardin-Simmons and, you know, just a basic biblical foundation in the word has been lacking. And maybe it's because the allure of teaching the more um, fascinating or the more meatier parables in some people's eyes is, is what's really, like, attractive. But oftentimes it leaves uh, many um, that are Christians operating at a deficit, um, not Mm. really understanding, like, 
true foundational biblical truth? Um, what does that look like? Honestly, how do I how do I know how to use a concordance? How do I know how to use um, different cross reference sections of the Bible? How do I know how to even know chronologically how the books of the Bible line up and, and how to maybe make sense of it all? Um, mm-hmm. And that way, chronologically, it starts to play out in our mind and in our hearts, and we can honestly start to piece together God's marvelous work as one. And so, first and foremost, I, I definitely think teaching sound doctrine is the absolute most essential thing we can be doing. Nice. Um, another thing I often have equated to to something we as the church can be doing better and and encouraging one another in is, is getting involved. Um, mm. It's easy for us to kind of the offshoot of learning our biblical knowledge and having kind of a sound foundation in the word. It's good to rest on our laurels and feel really excited about how we can maybe speak a certain language, the Christianese, if you will, but yet we don't have <laughs> that, that push to get involved in God's work that he's doing amongst his people. And so I think a lot of the times it's, it's maybe sexier to be able to describe something in a language um, that sounds really good to the ears, but oftentimes we find a movement that's lacking in the actions that we're portraying on what we're reading. And so, you know, if, if I'm to think of the first two that come to mind, it's there's a movement when you're reading God's Word that has to be taken in the body as well. Um, and the body being a participant in the grand scheme of the work that God's already doing to me is a must. You can't just read it and not feel moved to be a part of the action. Nice. And so for me, those are the first two things that jump off the screen in terms of when I'm reading, what I'm observing from our college students, kind of the work that I'm, I'm a part of here at Hardin-Simmons University are two of the main things that we're wanting our students to understand. I'll totally back you up on saying just because you say and you know all this stuff doesn't mean you're going to act like it, and that doesn't necessarily equal itself out. Right. Because coming from a private school, I definitely see a good amount of people saying, oh, yeah, I'm a great Christian, then all their actions completely counteract Mm -hmm. what they just said. Right, I totally right. back you up on that. Yes, thank then you. Then going into, going into the second book of John, it talks about loving God and loving one another, love your neighbor as yourself, kind of that whole thing in one book. John sure. goes all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy and Leviticus, like the beginning of the Old Testament for inspiration in writing this. But in our modern church, do we forget sometimes the Old Testament is just as important as the New Testament? That's good. One of the things I think about, kind of just hearing you speak and talk, one of the things I often think about is, you know, the phrase love your neighbor as yourself comes from Jesus' answer to the question, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And so just looking at that and considering that, it really, to me, evokes action. It evokes a transitional, transformational change within my mind and within my heart. And so I just want our students here at the campus, whether I'm teaching a class or whether we're involved in nonprofit 
volunteer work or whatever the case may be to understand that God's word evokes change and that change evokes you to be a participant in his kingdom work already and to know that we get to play a minor role in that obviously we're not the main character in that story but we're essential characters as side actors and participants in the great kingdom work that he's already doing and Dr. Craver, do we sometimes, as the Christian Church, again with the capital C, forget to place emphasis on the Old Testament? Sometimes I feel like when I go to church, it's all about the gospel, which is important, but that Old Testament yeah. is, is, is an essential part of it, isn't it? Oh, my goodness, absolutely. I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm grew up in an African-American church, and so to be completely honest, like, that was the majority of where we spent a ton of our time learning about God's Word and and understanding like the value of deliverance and the richness of the parables and passages there. And yeah, I mean, kind of what I was sharing earlier, I think it's easier to get caught up in teaching some of those more, I guess, alluring passages in the New Testament. But the Old Testament is just as valuable because it's almost saying like, if, if you only believe a part of God's word is necessary or essential, you're really not understanding the totality of his word and his life. And, and to maybe discard a part of his work is absolutely dangerous to do. And the Old Testament is so rich in, in showing us as people, you know, the essential nature of, you know, God leading us, but at the same time, the the allure sometimes of forgetting, you know, what he's done for us along the way. I think of the Israelites, you know, him leading, them being led, and then what often happens, you know, things are going well, they're being led out of captivity, and, and what allure do they fall under? They forget. They forget the goodness of God. They forget what he's done for them, and, and as a result, they're not able to see the promised land. And so I think there's such rich lessons to be learned from both the old and the new. And so for wow. me, the, the Old Testament is absolutely essential for that. Well, I love what you just said about growing up in the African-American church. When I was in the Army, I was invited to an African-American church. And I got to tell you, as soon as you said that, my mind went back to that church in Seaside, California, and that great gospel, glory, glory, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> I laid my I love that. Yeah, I mean, I must have burned about 6,000 calories at that service that morning. It was awesome. It was awesome. Um, listen, about. in Third John, that, and now we're in Third John, uh, okay. John takes particular care. He praises one church leader and scolds another. Today, yeah. in 2020, and of course, you're, you're also a city councilman there in Abilene, Texas. Sure. In 2020, what are some things our church and our political leaders that are doing well, and what are some things they can do better? Man, that's a you great question. You get to question. call some people out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell this line really carefully. You know, one of the things that I think we can always do well, and, and I think John did that really well, is he's not afraid to to be truthful and communicate and, 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 and speak the truth um, to the people. And that transparency to me is always a really, really good thing. Um Understanding that it's better to be able to communicate, understanding as, as local leaders, it's essential for us to not just communicate, but to be transparent um, and understand that we don't have all the answers and it's always fluid situations in which us admitting 
we may not always have the answers or maybe this was a misstep, so we're going to pivot back here but reminding our people of the main goal. And I think that's the beauty of what John was doing. He was always reminding them of the main focus, right? So understanding the main thing is always the main thing, and you may go down a one-way street and not know that, but that one-way street was necessary in order for you to know, okay, I need to turn back around, get back on the main street, and go down because I know that wasn't the right way but it still was fruitful in my development and formation as a follower of Christ. Very good. And before, we, and before we get to Kiki's question about football, because I've been waiting all week to find this out, we've got we to roll, roll our football bump for you, Dr. Kramer. Yeah. Oh, my our final question we know we both know you played football in college what position did you play because Mr. Dyes apparently wrote it into the show notes and really <laughs> wants to find out <laughs> then kind of building off of that question and did playing in college football did that help your spiritual journey any growing up in that atmosphere that's a great question so to answer your question to give you guys, the the one answer you've been waiting for, I know eagerly. I played free safety. Nice. All right. Hit a guy coming across the center, why don't you? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. So, you know, I, I got to roam a little bit. I had a lot of freedom back there. Kind of was able to be the quarterback of the defense. But, you know, I actually wrote my dissertation on formation and sport and pain. And, mm. For me, absolutely, sports was a conduit of me understanding God's hand at work. And, and we see how his hand is at work and, and the work that we're a part of amongst others who are involved in his work. And, um, you know, I know one of the things I've always said to myself is maybe because I heard it from my dad growing up so much is experiences, um, what you get. Uh, when you get what you didn't want something. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I've always, to an extent, been haunted by my life mattering. Um, mm. And sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes I knew that it was maybe misplaced desire. But, um, you know, I, I had to always ask myself, is it because I'm a life seeker? Um, and, and, you know, the life you want cannot be lived alone, ultimately. And whether you're in a, a part of a sport or whether you're a part of the church or whether you're a part of just living in community, um, you understand that God is and does move in ways formationally, especially through uh, experiences like pain and trauma and things like that. If you're allowing him to form you and you're not sitting in, nothing wrong with experiencing, but you can't just sit and live in that pain. You know, there's there's movements in the scriptures where there's always a season of lament, and there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that, but the lament always moves toward joy. And I think that us as believers, we have to understand the value of not rushing past the lament because we only want those mountaintop experiences, but knowing that every season is valuable and it gives us something that can really... Um, just sharpen us to be used by God in mighty ways. And so 
when I played sport, I always just found my deepest relationships weren't necessarily the accolades I could get on the field, but it's more about the person that I'm becoming off the field and, and how what does it look like to work amongst team members and lead in a way um, that, that points towards Christ. And so I loved my time as an athlete. I loved what it taught me to work alongside people from different races, socioeconomics, backgrounds, you name it, anything you can think of and understand the beauty of when God can bring so many people together and there's a common goal and a common desire, what is actually possible. That is great stuff. And I got to say, as a free safety, you and Kiki kind of have something in common. She's a goaltender. You (laughs) both kind of have a a full view of the field. And when the ball gets by you, bad things happen. So that is, that's sort of a great correlation between a a former student athlete at college and a future student athlete at college in Kiki's case. Listen, Dr. Craver, I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're listening, his name is Dr. Travis Craver. He is the director of chapel and spiritual formation up at Hardin-Simmons University in Abilene. Texas. And as we love to say on this show, Dr. Kerber, may the Lord bless and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Kiki. I had a blast. Awesome. Great job. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. You know, Kiki, I wanted to wrap it up with something that you were talking about, which is something I think we all struggle with. You know, you're, you're about to finish up your four years at a Christian high school. You spent nine years at a Christian preschool, grade, and middle school. And obviously, mm-hmm. you've witnessed people, uh, how do we say they talk a good game, but they live in a totally different way. They have way. more bites than bites. Yes, and I wanted to ask you, you know, I've always worried about that, to be perfectly honest, especially in the past four years. How have you managed to maintain such a strong faith when you witness all of this? Honestly, it is not my own willpower helping me stay so close to God. It is not my own willpower. I know that. I think God has really just kind of held me really close to his chest through all this. Because switching schools just at high school is a pretty common thing, but it was so different for me from growing up all in one place then all of a sudden moving across town to a different school, which I don't know anyone at. You know, we've got, you know, three shows left. You just got a couple of days left in high school, then you're on to the next big chapter in your life. I, I love the fact if you folks are listening, you can hear the birds in the background. Kiki's out at her super secret location somewhere in a Comal County as we maintain our 13 miles of social distance. Yeah. And I've been obsessed this past week with a bird nest in the pomegranate tree down at the bottom of my yard. And as I was staring into it the other day, looking at the eggs, speaking of birds, Kiki, it hit me that that is a great way to talk to people about God. I thought, who could have come up with this idea of the egg? There's no way evolution explains this beautiful, this beautiful marble brown and blue egg. I mean, there's no way lightning hit a swamp, a lizard married a frog, and the next thing we had these beautiful eggs in this nest 
crafted better than anything I've ever built with my own two hands. As I looked into that nest, one day it was an egg, and yesterday it was these beautiful little mockingbirds begging for food. And, of course, Mama Mockingbird trying to dive bomb me to get me hmm. out of the way. And I just thought to myself, there's no way this could have been left to chance. This is not a big bang. This is proof in this little nest that God is real and everything we've talked about on this show is true. Listen, everybody, we've got three shows left. We're going to do the book of Jude next week. And then, Kiki, we're going to take a special mm-hmm. show just to kind of wrap everything up, talk about all the things that we've talked a about summary. on the show, a summary of where we've been. And then our final show is going to be the book of Revelation, Kiki's Revelation. favorite book of the Bible. And yes. then we're going to sign it's off. so interesting to me. It is it's interesting. so interesting. It is interesting. Thank you so much for listening to the ChristCast 2020 podcast. Don't forget, you can ask Alexa, say, Alexa, play ChristCast 2020 podcast on TuneIn. But the best way to see all of our shows is simply Google ChristCast 2020. My name is Jason Dyes. Her name is? Kiki Culpepper. And to God be the glory. There ain't no practice runs in life. Well, that is where this show usually ends, but we left the microphones on, and this is the unedited part of what happens after the show. Edit here. All right, great show. Thank you, Dr. Craver. Thank you so much, man. That was awesome. I appreciate it. We'll get this cut Wait, up, edited I up. I have a question before you sure. go. Yes, Dr. ma'am. Yes, so, ma'am. I've heard people say, like, yes, the Old Testament is just as important as the New Testament, but you should take a lot more rules out of the New Testament. So, but if you're using both of them equally, does that mean you need to follow all the rules God put in place? Like, no tattooing yourself, don't eat meat. Does that mean you still need to follow all of those rules, necessarily? I I mean, I think that's a great question. I think when I think of it, initially what comes to mind I'm thinking of, imagine if you had a friend who wanted to go see a movie, but you maybe misread, like, the schedule and you arrive an hour into the film. Would you still go in and watch the last half of the movie? I know I wouldn't. And so I think no one jumps into the middle of a movie and expects to understand truly what's going on. Um, you know, when we become confused or we start peppering those who don't understand questions that can only be answered su- sufficiently by reading the Old Testament, I'm afraid that even worse than that, people who maybe tend to do or only read the New Testament construct a story that seems plausible for that small section of the Bible. And so in doing so, we may find answers to questions that the Old Testament writers weren't asking and ignore the questions that they were asking. Um, or even ignored some of the answers that they were giving. And so I think treating like the beginning of Matthew is the real beginning of the story of the Old Testament um, as a prequel to the main story could be dangerous. And so I, I just think of when we view the Old Testament as a plan that didn't work, we make reading it a waste of our time. But the incarnation of Jesus is the climax of the pinnacle of the story that begins quite literally in the beginning. And you can't understand Jesus if you haven't 
at a bare minimum read the Old Testament at least once. And so there are remnants that are absolutely pertinent to that time period and, and pertinent to different questions that were being asked. And I think the New Testament highlights and moves us towards maybe more pertinent questions or more revelatory type situations in which we're, we fall up into today. But Jesus said that he didn't come to destroy the law but to fulfill it, and he did it in a way that no one could see coming. So when I think of Paul trying to make sense of the fulfillment that came in a completely unexpected way, he didn't make up a new story, but instead he went back, he studied the old story with fresh eyes to see it, and this was God's amazing plan all along. So reading the Old Testament, the whole story, every genealogy, every obscure law, even if you don't understand it at all, it will soak in and understanding will come gradually, slowly, but with some assistance. And so just continuing to understand how it all fits together and it's all necessary, it may not be necessarily applicable, but it helps you understand the totality of Jesus' work. I know that was probably a long ramble, <laughs> Kiki. I'm sorry. I'm thinking but... I'm going no, to put that in the show. A little bit. No, because you explaining saying, yes, it is a rule. Yes, it was in play at some point. Doesn't necessarily is applicable for us today. It was applicable sure. for then, but not necessarily sure. now. That means, sure. Because I thought about that because it came up saying, Oh, Jesus came, so we don't have to follow all of these rules in the Old Testament besides the Ten Commandments. And I was like, right. that doesn't seem right. Not at all. Not at all. I, th- I think really what Kiki is doing is reading my mind because I was going to ask her to do a pinky promise before she went to college not to get any tattoos. <laughs> I guess that she's just reading my mind now. <laughs> well, oh, my word. I was asking because it's kind of <laughs> up, and I was like – I was really confused yeah. when that person said it. I was like, I feel like you have to listen to more than just the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. Oh, my goodness. Well, but I don't necessarily, don't you need to follow, that. like, don't eat meat. Well, yeah. and people don't realize that the Old Testament makes up three-fourths of our Bible. Yeah. You know, and it, it influences understanding and keep biblical teachings. You know, the first word in the phrase Old Testament must not mean unimportant or insignificant to us as Christians, you know. And, and and what I would tell that person, Kiki, is there's actually nothing in the Bible that tells you to be a vegetarian. Now there are some there are some Talmudic laws that you see in the early books of the Bible in Leviticus about okay, Hebrews can't eat certain meats, uh, you know, shellfish and pork and things like that, the split hoof. But there, there was plenty of lambs going to the slaughterhouse back in, back in the uh, northern and southern kingdoms of Israel back in the day. I don't, I don't know who that person was, but if they're trying to say there's a biblical foundation for being a vegetarian, the first thing I would do was invite him to Bible study at Ruth Chris Steakhouse and uh, have a nice conversation with him. You know, I just think the Old Testament, while not written to Christians, was still written for us. Yeah. Well, great stuff. Well, listen, Dr. Kerber, again, thank you so much. Like I said, we'll get all this put together. I might have to include some of that if that's okay with y'all. Oh, any and everything. I picked up my guitar. Like, I can't get that song out of my mind now. Glory, glory. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't know. Great question. Yeah. Hey, listen. Because uh, we were talk- talking about the whole mix of the Old Testament and New Testament, and I was like, I'm gonna ask Dr. Craver. He seems knowledgeable about this thing. <laughs> he seems knowledgeable. Yes, he is I'm knowledgeable. I'm learning. I'm still learning as I go, but I, I, that's what I always, literally try to share to my students because. Honestly, the Old Testament is what, uh, like, initially made me curious and love and fall in love with wonder about the Word of God. And so uh, I've always been pretty passionate about it, for sure. Well, you know, uh, you heard Kiki and I talking about our experiences, our shared experiences at Cross Lutheran. And I was, as we were getting ready for this show, I was trying to think about, you know, I put that word in there, subtle. The, the false teachings mm-hmm. are more subtle these days, and I realize they're not really that subtle. You know, you, you got your Ph.D. at Baylor. I just finished sure. watching the Netflix series on the Branch Davidians up in Waco. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Gary, yeah. and so there's a, very, there's a very proximate example of some, some false teachings mixed in with some legitimate teachings. And then I realized that I had a very real proximate example of what I considered false teaching at a church that I loved, Dr. Craver. I loved Cross Lutheran Church, but the Missouri Synod has this thing about close communion, that you have to meet a certain standard to get communion. And towards the end, it was very, very uncomfortable having that conversation with people, because the example I would always use is that if a if a drunk stumbled into the church at 8.30 communion service and said, I want to be saved, I'd like communion, the, the elders and the pastor would not give that person communion, but Jesus wow. would. And, Absolutely. And that was a big point of contention. And it's that fine line that we have to walk. Kiki and I did a show talking about sometimes you have to rebuke people. That's in the Bible too. And yet the people at the church will say, no, you're sowing division in the church and you're not supposed to do that. And it's this constant back and forth. You know, there are those Jewish schools in in Israel and elsewhere that study the Talmudic law and all they do is argue. All day. Yeah. And it was yeah. it was very heartbreaking to walk away from a church that I'd invested so much time in over ten years over what I thought was false teaching. You know, I take those letters in red very seriously. Jesus said, Take this all of you and eat it. Even you, Judas, who's about right. to throw me under the bus here in about thirty minutes. He's about to literally almost just stab him in the back. Yeah, stab him in the back. Right. You can have communion, but I can't right. because I'm not a member of the Missouri Synod. Give me a break. And uh, you know, I I don't know everything about the Bible, but I do know how to read. And it didn't say take this all of you who have completed the Missouri Synod, a three-ring binder on being a good Lutheran. It never yeah. says that. Yeah. And it was very yeah. difficult. Kiki knows mm. I was invested in that church. Mm. I, love, I still love that church. I love the people sure. over there. Sure. But, we love um, the people, we, not necessarily the place. That, right. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. right. And the that's, church is not the building. That's my way of looking at that whole situation. I love some of the people there. Hated this experience. Right. <laughs> it's a strong word. You can, that's okay. You can do that. Yeah. But I, you know, just thinking about what you mentioned earlier, Kiki, I was just thinking how the New Test, like the Old Testament points us to Christ and the New Testament teaches us more about Christ. And so I just was thinking in my mind how it teaches us and gives us prophecies about the future Messiah and the future 
of the world starting as early as Genesis, right? But the prophecies that pointed to the future Messiah, as in like the second Samuel, echo the prophecies it reveals of the coming Messiah. And so would we know the Messiah would come to die for our sins without the Old Testament? We would not have any information about the Messiah. But the New Testament is all about him and what he wants us to know. You know, he taught us himself and through his apostles. And so they're valuable as the other. They're inspired by God and profitable ultimately for our spiritual growth. And so if if the listeners get or gain anything out of what I said, I hope that they understand that. I think they will. We'll, we'll, when we finish, when I finish editing this, we're all going to sound so smart. Nobody will have any doubt. That we, yeah. <laughs> Jason, you and Kiki are smart, but I'm so grateful y'all know how to make me sound smart. So thank you. Oh, I know. We we we're very good. Doctorate. Yeah, that's true. You know, I've got my I've got my I've got my UTSA diploma behind me, which I think I purchased for five ninety nine at Amazon. For, no, I actually did graduate from college. Yeah, that's all I right do. now, I don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true, Annalisa. You you you've spent five I just years. I had to fill out a form to get my diploma, and it's not going to happen until June. <laughs> all that matters is that D for done. You're done. That's, That's it. right. You're yeah. done. You're done. And honestly, I got and I've two told... weeks left now. I got two weeks. I'm out on the 15th. Yeah, I've told your Dr. Craver that I have I've learned more about the Bible and this journey with her on this five years of doing this show than I ever did sitting in the pews with pastors with degrees and wow. theological seminary chops. And that's just the wow. way it is. Oh, the smartest people I know literally have no degree. Like, mm. it really is the experience and the desire to dive into the Word. And so, you, that's, man, that was, that's a word, Jason. That's a beautiful word right there. Oh, well, thank you. I'm going to have to say that, too. Got out of co- Einstein never did college. You could just say that. <laughs> <laughs> and now we know how to make ourselves. Like our I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm going to burn my diploma right now, and I'm going to make myself even smarter by doing that. <laughs> right? Right? Man, All right. I'm so sorry. This, this was a great experience, and y'all are so easy and fun to talk to. I'm like, man, I missed out on being a part of something special. Yeah. We, uh, we've had a great time, and like I said, it, it, you know, everything happens for a reason, and had it That's not right. been for the, the Kung flu, the COVID-19, whatever, we never would have met you, and so you know, we're, we're very grateful for that, and I have put in the um, Hardin-Simmons uh, website on the, in the episode description, so we'll make sure that's all in there, and uh, please don't be a stranger. Uh, like I said, I'll be bugging you because I'll be heading up to Abilene, and if you ever need... I already have plans to bring you here, so just just know that I'm going to be oh. bringing. <laughs> Are you sure? You may want to ask Kiki about that. You know, if you bring me up to one of your chapels, they may never do chapel again once I leave, and that may be it. They may yeah, say talk, talk for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Dr. Kramer, you have a great weekend. You all too, and have a blessed rest of the day. And congrats, Kiki, on graduating soon. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Blessings, guys. Blessings to you. Hey, Keith, you have a great day. I'll chat with you later. You too. All right. Bye bye now.